you're looking at our number in the report, it's $111 billion of ad revenue this year for retail media. Um, and importantly, we don't include service providers in that list. So we actually don't include at this moment, Uber and DoorDash and any of the travel booking sites. Those are service providers yeah. rather than goods providers. Um, but you then realize if you do include folks like Uber and DoorDash, that number gets even bigger. does the future hold for mobile and marketing, advertising, user acquisition, all that stuff in 2023 and beyond? Welcome to Mobile Heroes Uncensored. My name is John Katsir. Our co-host, of course, as always, is Peggy Ensalt. And guess what? We all want to know the future. Yeah, join the club. We do. We've had a crazy couple of years with ATT and iOS. We know Privacy Sandbox is coming. We'd like everything to just kind of settle down and get a little easier. But guess what? It probably could be crazier. Today, we're chatting with somebody who spends all day working on trends, forecasts, peering into crystal balls, looking at big data and trying to understand where the puck is going. Peggy, who is that? Who are we chatting with? Well, we've got someone who's doing that all the time, and it's in tons of research and reports. We have Kate Scott Dawkins. She is Global Director of Business Intelligence at Group M. Of course, Group M is where she contributes thought leadership around economic trends, forecasts, and an industry analysis that we'll be getting to as well. Group M, in case you didn't know it, but of course you do, John, but some people don't. I didn't know the number. World's leading media investment company that I knew, responsible for more than $113 billion in annual media investment, that I didn't know. That is huge. That's a large number. That is huge. So Kate is responsible for producing valuable content to drive better outcomes for clients, inform the larger media and advertising community as a whole, and be here on our show and do it. Now, she lives and works at the intersection of advertising, technology, AI, and creativity, and perhaps best known for the reports she has co-authored, including this year, next year, global advertising forecast, the next 10, which examines all the technologies and media behaviors shaping the future of marketing. Prior to her career in advertising, Kate was a member, you ready? Of the, <laughs> US, of the United States archery team and a resident athlete in the US. So I can't resist it. You know her trends are going to hit a bullseye, John. <laughs> I knew I, it was coming. I knew the pun had to be in there somewhere. Oh. I spent nights thinking of these, John. Welcome, Kate. Great to have you. Uh, welcome, Kate. Thank you so much. Thank you. There, yeah, there's got to be some kind of joke in terms of always trying to uh, get it get it right in terms of either the target or the forecast. But yeah, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> they say airplanes, they get where they're going, but they're off course 90% of the time, right? Maybe the same is true about forecasts. Who knows? Kate, we were talking in the intro about how the future might just be getting crazier and all the talk this week. The week that we're recording is about Digital Markets Act in Europe and potential additional third-party app stores. We know Epic, the company behind Fortnite, wants to do this, probably some others as well. Any interesting thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, I think governments are going to be a bit caught or there's there's a bit of a push and pull between wanting to open up competition. Um, 
but also they have in the past relied to or, or wanted to rely on the ability to just work with two companies in terms of if there is a an app that presents a uh, security right. risk, it's a lot easier One to get place that. to kill it. <laughs> exactly. Two, two stores to remove it from. Um, but I think there's going to continue to be tension around that in the future. You know, they also have an interest in protecting consumers uh, from potential malevolent apps. And so there's going to be a lot of due diligence on anyone who's who's offering app stores to the public, I think. So not a slam dunk is what it is. <laughs> are there are there any true slam dunks in life? <laughs> Probably not. Indeed not. Well, I have to go back to what I thought was amazing, even without the pun, you know, archery to amazing research. That is not the usual career path. That is certainly a different trajectory altogether. I want to understand what sparked that shift in your thinking and in your career path, Kate. Um, I guess interesting. I, I was maybe slightly rare in that I left high school here in the U.S. saying I was going to go into international marketing. That was the long-term plan. Archery was a, a wonderful detour. Um, actually, only picked it up my freshman year in college and then won the college national championships my junior and senior year. So it was a quick progression. And I think the same thing now for, for forecasting has been across the, the group for, for a long time, but really found and fell in love with it over the last couple of years. And it's been a, a real whirlwind getting to author this year, next year now, uh, and moving forward on that path. So um, start something uh, and, and get into it and really dive deep. I have to ask if you ace it all the time, Kate. <laughs> I wouldn't want to always be the one to give the forecast. It happens. It probably happens to you too, John. You say something and then next year someone will say, well, isn't this what you said last year? Nobody looks back, Peggy. Nobody looks back. We're all... (laughs) Nobody notices. (laughs) I've seen some people do that on occasion, but maybe that's just the few people I know who just want to hold it over you. Forecast early and forecast often. You know, the best thing is you always get to redo the forecast. We constantly are updating our view. We did that this year with so much macroeconomic change happening. Um, You know, we uh, track 62 markets very closely. 31 of those actually downgraded their estimates from the June forecast. 21 upgraded and 10 stayed the same. So uh, we're constantly, all of us, I think, in this industry. Um, watching change and, and reforecasting as we go. Talk about your global end of the year forecast. You're saying it's rosier than expected, but not great. What's that mean? Yeah, I think um, the words we used in the report were cautious optimism. So we are expecting 6.5% global advertising growth for this year. Uh, that is a nominal figure. It means we're not adjusting for inflation. So if you're looking at it, say, against these sort of IMS expectations for global inflation, it does relate to a, a slight decline in terms of real growth. Um, so, you know, it's it's not altogether rosy, as you said, um, but I think there are elements of what we've seen in the current uh, economic landscape that point to our base case, which is not a deep and prolonged recession globally. We're still seeing, well, we're starting to see inflation numbers come down. We saw that in the US and the UK this week. Um, We've seen a reduction in the the interest rate rises in both of those markets as well. And we're continuing, especially in the US and and lots of other markets around the world, to see low unemployment numbers, Um, which means that consumers are 
for the most part, relatively stable in their employment positions. Although there are, of course, especially in the UK now with industrial action, those who are still looking for uh, better wage increases that keep up with inflation. But for the most part, low unemployment, continued retail sales with consumers, you know, footing for now some of the price increases that have come along with inflation. I'm a little surprised to hear that there's at least nominal growth in advertising, given all the bad news that we've heard. Uh, the other thought that I had as I was listening to you was that while there's nominal growth across the board in advertising, my guess is digital is probably still a little bit up and there are probably pockets within that that are up significantly above the mean. I'm guessing mobile is there and I'm guessing uh, CTV or smart TV, connected TV streaming is one of those. Am I correct? Yeah, absolutely. Digital continues to be an outperformer, I guess, at least uh, versus something like linear TV globally. We're expecting 9.3% growth for digital globally. It's 11.5% if we exclude China from that analysis. China mm. having a, a bit of a, a rough year. We're actually forecasting negative 0.6% for China this year. And off the back of the lockdowns and zero COVID policy there this year, although we're expecting that market to return to growth next year. But looking at digital, uh, there certainly has been a lot of news and um, headlines around, you know, the end of an era for big tech or around the layoffs that are happening. It's important to note that even Meta, which reported a, uh, as reported decline in revenue on a constant currency basis, that was still growth. Mm -hmm. You know, Amazon's third quarter results were plus 30% on a constant currency basis, which is huge. Microsoft on a constant currency basis was plus 21%. So we are still seeing growth, especially among this digital sector. And you're right, within that group, we see CTV growing faster than the average and also retail media uh, as a big growing component and one that we broke out in our forecast for the first time this year. Smart. It's all very positive, but there is some deceleration. Not the same as decline, right? But the whole idea is that the advertising industry, as you put it in the report, is in a reasonably healthy position, which is great, great news. But what about the great opportunities? What are they on the horizon? Where do you see the biggest opportunities in a market that is, yeah, healthy, great? Yeah, I mean, it is a, a mature market. So we have, interestingly, over the past uh, you know, six, seven, eight years, seen advertising revenue grow actually faster uh, in most years than GDP. It's, it's lost some of the correlation that I think a lot of people assume the industry has with overall GDP growth. And some of that's come from uh, several secular drivers that, that we talk about. One of those is the prevalence of especially Chinese advertising spend overseas. So that's one of those elements that I think has been essentially in distress this year or in, under duress this year. Uh, we'll see if that comes back next year. Another one has actually been uh, digital endemics. So these are companies and a lot of them are, are mobile first companies, you know, travel, booking sites, anyone that has a business that is primarily online. You can think of the dating apps in this group, mobile gaming companies, some of the, the fintech companies are in this group and they've really been sort of outsized vendors on advertising. So we look at their advertising uh, expense as a percent of revenue. Sometimes that's 50, 60, uh, some quarters over 100%. And 
And this was sort of a, a possible, this grow at all costs was possible when the cost of capital was zero, when interest rates were near zero. Uh, and so this is not so anymore. And this is one of those areas where we have seen that deceleration happen for some groups of these digital endemics actually decline amongst e-commerce companies in particular. We'll finish kitting out their home offices and their home gyms. They shifted back. There had been this shift during the pandemic to buying goods instead of services. Uh, we've now shifted back into where consumers are, are buying, you know, spending more on services than they are in goods. And so that's, that's seen a, a deceleration for some of these advertisers that, that were spending quite heavily uh, across digital and in some cases even on linear TV as their budgets grew enough. So that's one of those elements where we have seen deceleration. I think what we're looking for in terms of opportunity going forward is which of those sectors or, or companies come back into advertising more heavily or whether really that group is maturing and we're going to see that slow down as a driver of a secular driver of advertising growth. Wow, I'm feeling so technical here, Peggy. It's great. Secular growth, phenomenal rates and currencies and everything. This, it really <laughs> is great, Kate. This is this is awesome. This is a different perspective than we typically look at. And it's it's relevant, right? We're mostly focused on mobile advertising, mobile growth, mobile user acquisition. That's part of the overall economy. And it's it's dependent on the overall economy, where people are putting dollars. You mentioned retail media a couple sentences back maybe a couple minutes back. Talk about retail media a little bit. It's a relatively new phenomenon. We can trace it back into the 70s, really, with like in supermarket type, you know, ads or something like that in the buggy as you're walking down the aisle or so. But it's a relatively new phenomenon in the digital world. And it's growing so fast. There's so many different retail media networks. Maybe talk a little bit about what it is and where you see the growth there. Yeah, um, certainly have been hearing more and more from clients and interest in this sector recently, and it really has um, exploded in terms of the revenue growth we've been seeing. So our definition of retail media, and you, know, you get plenty of folks who will draw a wider bucket around uh, commerce media, but our definition of retail media is really looking at this new category of ad sellers, the, the retailers themselves. So uh, this includes the giants like Amazon, the Chinese companies like Alibaba and JD.com and Pinduoduo, um, and then your Walmarts and Targets and Carrefours and Tesco's and Sainsbury's, the list goes on. Um, but think, you know, supermarkets, think big box stores like Best Buy, all of those, uh, and many of them are now spinning up their own retail media networks. Many of them partner with companies to help them build out that uh, offering for manufacturers. And many of them are, are now also looking beyond sort of what you would think of as the traditional CPG clients into what we would call non-endemic uh, retail media buyers, maybe a, a travel company that wants to show an ad against a, a luggage purchase or something like that. And so we've seen, um, again, a lot of interest, a lot of spend growth there. Amazon certainly being the one of the most sophisticated in, in this in terms of being able to translate their gross merchandise gross merchandise value volume uh their gmb into advertising revenue but we're seeing many others devote uh, attention as a really a 
a higher margin uh, revenue line than retail. Absolutely. I mean, we're seeing DoorDash, Uber, we're seeing lots of different places do it right. Um, Sheesh TripAdvisor, I think, was doing one. I mean, just about anybody who has assembled kind of an audience, kind of a, a customer base that are using their product or service for a, a period of time. And there's different things that can be complementary purchases around it or additional purchases. Uh, super interesting stuff. I will clarify just really quickly. If you're looking at our number in the report, it's $111 billion of ad revenue this year for retail media. Um, and importantly, we don't include service providers in that list. So we actually don't include at this moment, Uber and DoorDash and any of the travel booking sites. Those are service providers uh, rather than goods providers. Um, but you then realize if you do include folks like Uber and DoorDash, that number gets even bigger. That is yeah. massive. I had no idea, Peggy. No, I didn't. I mean, I've been seeing a lot of this. I went to uh, Mexico here in Europe. It's like the ad show, advertising yeah. show. And um, it was astounding. You know, there were companies like Auto, which is the Amazon of Europe. There's um, Aldi and Lidl and these mega supermarkets. And you talk to them and they're like, next year, we're going to build a network. That's all they have on their mind. So I could see <laughs> coming here. And, you know, they have like billions to throw at this. So it's like, yeah, we're going to be the Amazon of Eastern Europe because Amazon isn't that big in Eastern Europe. So we're going to do it. So there is a lot of opportunity. I'm curious what this means for marketer spending choices, because it's like, yeah, I can look at channels, but hey, I can look at these networks too. So what are you seeing? How do you see that dynamic playing out? Yeah, I think when we look at sort of the traditional uh, manufacturers that are present in these retail stores already, right? They have relationships with many of these retailers already. Uh, there is growing conversation across what were traditionally uh, maybe the, the trade teams or the wholesale teams that had arrangements for collaboration or uh, advertising with these retailers. And then the, the media arms of these manufacturers who are now maybe being asked to, to spend on the retail media networks. And so what that happens, where those budgets shift to and from, I think it's a, a constant conversation among those manufacturers and advertisers now. I think that opportunity for more of these non-endemic or, or you know, non-manufacturers, uh, that's still a growing opportunity, but I think quite small for now. So we'll see folks lean into that as well in the future. Oh, it must be challenging also to get all the data from all these. And I mean, that's on a, on a, just a, doing the stats, understanding the ecosystem thing, because either inside companies or like startups within a, an existing company. So it must be a little bit challenging, but you see so much spend that probably gives you a good overview. Want to turn the conversation to TikTok. It's one of the few major ad players at networks, if we can call it that way, platforms that has grown ad spend this year. What are you seeing there? Uh, do you see that rate of growth continuing or decreasing? Yeah, I mean, I think important to, to point out, we did see growth overall in digital. So, uh, you know, Google, Meta, Snap, uh, Microsoft, Amazon, while things have decelerated, they certainly were still positive growth. Sure. Um, it's true that TikTok may have uh, done a bit better about that from a smaller base. So if we look at TikTok as, as separate from ByteDance, uh, you know, 
probably roughly doubling or a little bit better than doubling this year in terms of revenue. And it continues to be of interest for brands. I think especially as we see what used to be really a cultural conversation that happened on linear TV where people tuned in for, you know, can't miss shows or moments on TV. And as linear TV starts to erode from that position of uh, cultural tentpole moments, I think some brands are looking elsewhere for where the cultural conversation is happening, uh, especially as younger audiences move off of linear TV. I think that's driven some of those conversations and interest. Of course, there's realization of of the uh, security concerns that have been raised around TikTok. And so that remains part of the conversation as well with brands and advertisers. So it has escaped the worst of the economic ad slowdown. But you're also bullish about the Chinese ad market growing, you know, coming back. How much growth do you see? How much growth do you expect? Yeah, so our forecast right now called for a slight decline this year and then a rebound to a positive 6.3% in China for 2023. And that, you know, is a forecast we have to see how things play out. Um, certainly been hearing over the last week or so about openings in that uh, market and relaxing basically some of the zero COVID restrictions that have really been at play this year and led to some of the decline that we saw. We're also certainly hearing from colleagues around efforts from the government to boost economic growth next year. And so that's driving uh, the perspective that we're going to see continued growth. So yes, I, I guess we're you know, optimistic in that sense of, of return to growth in China. I like that we're ending in a bit of an optimistic note because you have one statement. I thought it was great. It was uh, basically about how to make peace with yourself and with the numbers. <laughs> you know, it's like if marketers can recognize that exceptional ad spend growth in 2021 was an anomaly, then they can accept the numbers and view them as normalized growth rates and go with the flow. Um, keeping that in mind, what should they be doing to see this as a glass half empty or glass half full? What inspiring words can you give us to say, yes, you know, accept this. This is good and it's all going to go out well in the end. Yeah, I think one of the interesting um, things we do as data geeks and looking at the numbers, right, is, is trying to make sense of trends on a, a maybe a longer timeline. One of the tools that can be really useful for that is, is looking at growth over several years on what's called a, a compound annual growth rate basis, right? So you're looking at a trend over three years and then um, knocking that into what what would it have equaled each year if it was uh, even across those years. And we did that looking at uh, 2019 to 2022 basically trying to strip out some of the volatility that has happened as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, on that three-year basis, the overall advertising growth was about 8.7, 8.8%, exactly the same as it was for 2016 to 2019. So you're, you're really looking at, on a, a longer time scale, a yeah. very mm -hmm. regular march of growth over those yep. last six years. This is exactly the analysis that Shopify provided. Um, they had uh, a chart that I really loved. I shared it with you, Peggy, where yeah. you've got e-commerce going like this 
and then like that and then back up and they showed it sort of smooths over the years of the growth spread and it's a general upward trend so that makes a ton of sense we typically yeah. end with kind of two of the same questions and and this one you know you're not a traditional in the mobile marketing space but i'm going to ask you anyway so see what you got what is your least censored opinion about mobile and marketing? That's a good one. I have been watching with interest uh, some of the regulatory moves and postures, appetites across the EU, the UK, and the US. Uh, there's certainly been a lot of interest in the idea of super apps, watching how that's evolved in China with WeChat and others. Uh, and so I guess my sort of contrarian view at the moment would be uh, whether that model is going to be possible going forward in, in markets where there seems to be less of an appetite for centralizing uh, mm -hmm. control of services in a, in a given company. I, I like that. I really like that. Everybody wants to be the super app. Nobody wants everybody else, anybody else to be the super app. I kind of wonder if sometime in the near future, Google Assistant Siri might be the super app, but who knows? Maybe that's just me. The second question we ask everybody is your top tips for marketers heading into 2023. It's a, it's a good one. Uh, I think the the biggest thing what I've been talking to, to clients about internally as well is whether there's a, an opportunity or a need to rethink some of the foundational tenants around reach and frequency being the, the go-to for marketers, uh, especially as we enter a period where reach on uh, platforms like linear TV is going to be increasingly hard as that erodes, especially in markets like the US where we see pay TV penetration declining rapidly. And it's following suit in other markets, even strongholds across Central Eastern, uh, Central and Eastern Europe. That trend is continuing in, in markets that are heavily pay TV focused. So I think, yeah, reimagining whether reach and frequency are, are still the, the starting place and how, uh, how to get, how to meet your reach goals uh, on other places or beyond the linear TV space. Super interesting to hear from the opposite side a little bit, Peggy, because typically we're talking to performance marketers and clearly um, Kate is more dealing with brand marketers and we're seeing performance marketers move more towards brand. We're seeing brand marketers move more towards performance, which I think is part of our thesis, Peggy, that brand and performance are pretty much the same thing. They're just different aspects, but I'll leave it to you. Different things, different KPIs. It was very interesting, though, to have your perspective on this, Kate, I have to say, especially the last point about reach and frequency. Now, that's something we're going to have to take with us, John, because that's a framework. That's that's the tenet, right? That's the foundation of everything. And she is, in a very interesting way, bring that into focus and into question. So it may be a very, very interesting 2023. I want to thank you for sharing, Kate, for bringing your thoughts. And uh, yeah. And challenging us as well with some hard data, hard yeah. facts. And she just spouts them off like she's got them yeah. all memorized too. This is insane. What is going on up top there in that brain? It's like Eastern Very Europe cool. is 21% and this little thing is 10%. Like, <laughs> Amazing. Wow. Amazing. Thank you. Spend a lot of time with the numbers. That was great. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation and uh, hopefully we can do it again.
And thank you to all the listeners. We really do appreciate you. Hope you're enjoying it. Let us know on social if you are. And let us know if you want to come and we'll have you on the show. If you're a mobile hero or you know of someone who is, then fill out the interest form over at shorturl.at forward slash JKSKT. Also, Liftoff has a Slack for mobile heroes and people in the mobile ecosystem. There's a link on the screen. And if you're listening to the podcast, it's at info.liftoff.io slash slack dash signup. It's pretty cool. There's smart people there. And you know what? They probably need you too. And you have probably been completely blown away by all the insights on this show. And you want your transcript. And you can have it because the transcripts are over at Liftoff's website. Go to liftoff.io, click on Heroes, and then click on Podcast. I actually personally love transcripts because I read way faster than people talk. So that's a great way to get insights really, really quickly. Until next time, this is John Kutz here. Thank you so much for joining. And this is Peggy Ann Saltz signing off for Mobile Heroes Uncensored. <laughs>